Listener Production. Welcome along to the Saturday Scorecard. You know the deal by now. During the week, you get a fast, fun hit of sport. But on Saturdays, we like to slow things down and actually have a conversation with some people who are equally obsessed with some sport. Today, he is one half of the recently relocated listener podcast, Two Guys, One Cup. Charlie Clawson, hello. G'day. Thanks for having me. Mate, uh, welcome to Listener as well. Welcome to the Listener family. Oh, it's like a big, warm embrace. I love it. Um, for those that don't know Two Guys, One Cup, uh, what I love most about it is the fact that there's a lot of people who love footy sit down and start doing a uh, think, oh, we could do a podcast. And then they inevitably end up doing an imitation of what you hear on radio programs. They try and uh, do the job of professional broadcasters and, and former footy players. That is not what you and Will Anderson do. No, I think we attempted that in the very first episode and we quickly realised this was not our forte. <laughs> What we realised, especially when the pandemic started and our conversation started to drift more and more away from football, mm. is that people seem to enjoy that more. Like you said, they weren't. there's a million podcasts they can choose from with like excellent football journalists and experts. But what I think there was a gap in the market for was two idiots <laughs> who, you know, back for two teams that have been, you know, traditionally quite unsuccessful, just kind of like being normal footy fans. I believe Will Anderson has still watched zero minutes of football this, this, uh, to this right. point of the season has not read has not read a paper has not listened to anything has not watched anything it's great and and yet for a bloke who paid no attention an amazing strike rate at naming the best and fairest off the back of last season yeah i mean look i mean it's really it's a low bar though i mean this is a a tradition for two guys one cup in our season preview we like to test our knowledge on other clubs by naming the coach the best and fairest and Will, this year, was his best strike rate. I think he didn't get one wrong, which is <laughs> very unusual for two guys, one cup. I mean, I think we retired We we, we kept, we kept retired Jesse White three years before he actually retired, and then once he was retired, we kept naming him in teams. Guys. I was down at the Suns. The Suns had a media thing the other day, and I was having a bit of a chat with Isaac Rankin, who, I, as I pointed out to Isaac, he's grown all his facial 100%. hair in, and I didn't recognise him. And I called these games, and I said, who's number 22? And my co-commentator looked and said it's Isaac Rankin. I'm like, what's he done to his face? He looks 33 years old. I think it's also he's got rid of the tips. It always happens with a player too. They'll come into a club with dreadlocks or some kind of crazy kind of hairstyle. And then especially after a couple of underwhelming years, Mm. the coach must have a word to them and say, mate, just get a little more haircut. It's a shame (laughs) that these players aren't aren't sort of more steadfast in their fashion choices. Isaac said, I was talking to him about Levi Casbolt. We're having a bit of a giggle Mm. about his kicking for goal. And he said, and Isaac described him as, yeah, he's a real man. Yeah, he looks like a swinger dad to me. Like he's kind of <laughs> sexy older dad. You know what I mean? He's the kind of dad that if, you know, you're a teenager and you brought your girlfriend home, you'd be like, I don't think I want to leave my dad alone with her because he's going to hit on her. <laughs> St Kilda. The Two Guys, One Cup, the, mm. the genesis of the idea and of the title of the show is that, you know, your St Kilda, Will is Bulldogs, and famously up until – two, three years ago, you only had one cup between the two clubs. Why did you become a Saints fan? Uh, well, it's a family thing. I, I'm the youngest of nine kids, so I was born into a life of misery. Um, <laughs> believe my father is to blame. He's re- originally from Sydney, New South Wales, um, moved to Melbourne as a kid and didn't have a team. And if you've had any experience in Melbourne, you know that's the question you get asked after your name is what team do you go for? So <laughs> He uh, quickly just grabbed the paper and just closed his eyes and pointed and his finger landed on St Kilda. Why it didn't land on Hawthorne or Geelong <laughs> or, or the Bombers or any other team that's had like a, a host of premiership cups, I don't know. But um, have you ever watched a TV series where you're like, geez, I'm not actually enjoying this, but I've watched three seasons. I've yeah, got to see I'm it in. the end. I'm committed. So that's how you got committed to St Kilda. Now on the others, because you're a dad now. 
Yep. A newish dad. How old's you? You've got a, a young one. Uh, she's, uh, Iona is uh, two and a half years old. Has okay. just started uh, becoming aware of football. She watched me watch the game on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I mean, it it is a real concern. Like I think, look, if she takes after she her mum, she probably won't have much interest in football. But if she takes after me, I would not deem it appropriate to tell her who, who to go for. And I think that I. It's a form of child abuse to make a, a kid barrack for St Gilda. I mean, my father had it all wrong. Like, I, I think when I was six years old, I switched to Melbourne for about two weeks and my family disowned me. My dad actually had like a stern, like, talking to me. And now I think after last year, I'm like, God damn it, I had the right instinct. Maybe like, you know, 40 years too early, but I was on the right train. Well, that's how I became a port supporter, sitting in my grandparents' lounge room. I think it must have been in 97, the first ever showdown, surrounded by my uncles and aunties and cousins, and everybody was Crow supporters. And I distinctly remember having the thought, I thought, this will be funny. I'll start going for the other team. (laughs) And I've got a five-year-old daughter and an 18-month-old son, and I now look at them, and and I want them... And my dad's a diehard Crow supporter and we have great chats about footy and it's fantastic, but I want them to have the same freedom of choice. Yeah. The downside is my daughter, somehow through my brother's current girlfriend, whose dad used to play for the Kangaroos, has now decided she's a North Melbourne supporter. And I'm regretting my decision not to force a team onto her already. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing, isn't it? Like if they end up picking a, a team like North Gold Coast or something, you're like, I don't know this is a, any better than, you know, me forcing you to <laughs> barrack for my team. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's a question of like, you know, you sort of look into their future. Like, because that's what my wife often says to me is, you know, you are in control of this relationship because she's not really a sports person. She didn't she, she didn't grow up with the, the amount of investment that you put into it. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. Like after last year, I was so crushed. It was such a disappointing year and I just thought there's no way they can like break my heart like that there's no way they can stomp on me like that and then I watched you know round one I can't believe it (laughs) I can't believe it and I bought into all the preseason hype I watched all the training videos and stuff like mate I've listened to a lot of Saints media like you know fan produced Saints media this week podcast and the like and there is such a palpable anger. Even friends of mine who are at the game were texting me. I mean, I'm sure if I'm if I'm hearing it, they're hearing it as well. But there is this real sense of like, I think Saint supporters as a whole, it's like we're at breaking point. Yeah. And like we now have the longest drought in AFL history. Uh, you know, to pile onto our record 27 wooden spoons, to pile onto all the other, you know, the fact that we had the choice of Petrarca or, or McCartney. Oh, don't don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to <laughs> you yourself. Know what I mean? Well, this is what I'm saying. You can understand the psychology of the Saints supporter. It's like a mate of mine last year after we went to a particularly heartbreaking Saints loss, like we sat on the couch just in a daze for about 20 minutes and then we watched, decided to watch the first quarter again and we started laughing maniacally like, this is insane, like how bad we are playing. And then he turned, stopped it, turned to me quite seriously and said, I think we're in hell. Like, I think we've been punished. I think you and I, we think we're here and we have free choice, but I think we're in hell. If you invested, and this is actually what I love so much about sport, because in any other walk of life, if you invest so much of your time and effort and money into anything that gave you nothing back, you'd walk away. If it was a financial investment, if it was a romantic relationship, and yet with sporting clubs, you can't. 
Well, it's funny too, isn't it? Like the, the, it's almost the Pavlovian response. I was trying to find a tweet from a Saint supporter the other day and I couldn't remember the person's name. So I just put in the red, white and black dots and it brought up all these like teams internationally. I actually felt like a, a stirring of pride, you know, about all these people. And it's like, they have nothing to do with the Saints. Like it's just three colours that I have arbitrarily decided to follow. And I'm getting proud of the fact that we're really well represented on Twitter. There is, and there is nothing more St Kilda right now than you trying to latch onto the the success of Manchester United as though it's somehow you can claim that. <laughs> we'll take whatever we can get. <laughs> and and the other part of it is, and as much as, you know, you joke about living through the, the pain, you can't swap. Because if, if Scott Morrison's time as Premier, uh, President, Prime Minister, what is he? He's the boss. <laughs> has taught us anything. It's that people see through when you swap. Because that man is a Roosters supporter and who decided to become a Granola Shark supporter and people that think right. it's ridiculous. He's a Roosters supporter. I didn't. I did not know. Oh, my God, that makes me hate him even more. But it you're does. right. I mean, I can't jump off now. I mean, there is a very real fear. Like, you know, Shane Warne tragically passed a couple of weeks yeah. ago, the biggest Saints fan you'll meet. And, and that was one of the things I thought was like, that poor bastard never got to see, like, a Saints flag. Oh and that'll gosh. probably be, like, my fate. It, it's really top of my mind. It's like, I'm not getting any younger. And, and they're not getting any better. <laughs> There's a tagline for the new club. I'm not getting any younger and they're not getting any better. The Saints membership push for 2022. Yeah, that's right. But it does bring up something I wanted to ask you about, the notion of being a celebrity supporter because right. uh, it's not something that most fans don't have the the, the profile because mm. they're in the in the spotlight. Now, where do you think you sit realistically in the St Kilda pecking order? Because we oh, Eric Banner would obviously be at the pointy end. Oh, look, there's so many. And, like, I, I can tell by where I rank base because I'm actually – a Saints ambassador. I haven't heard from them recently, but I'm just going to assume that that relationship is still in place. Right. Uh, they'll often reach out to the ambassadors if they're doing like a video, you know, to okay. congratulate the women's team or, you know, they're promoting something, Maddie's match or something like that. I will see that there has been like an initial email in the, You're in the, the secondary, secondary email. But the same to an unusual club that has been so unsuccessful. We have quite a long list of, you know, celebrities, professional mm. athletes, like when like, you know, Hulk Hogan comes out and they'll whack <laughs> like a pie stand on him or El well, McPherson or Elton John. Essendon's a sucker for that. Essendon loves a, oh, hey, just pop this on for us while we take a photo oh, of you. Any celebrity. Remember when John Travolta sang the club song in the oh. huddle, like after a game? It was the weirdest <laughs> thing you've ever seen. I mean, there was my favorite one recently, though, was uh, the Gold Coast. And he wasn't even like a, a celebrity. They didn't even whack a Guernsey on him. They just cut to the crowd, and there's Dolph Lundgren. Everybody on the Gold Coast just looks like that. That wasn't Dolph. Yeah. That's just, that's just, exactly. that's just yeah, a dad. I mean, he should. He'd be the perfect Gold Coast celebrity supporter. I mean, I don't know who they've got, but they they, they need one. And in my vote, it's gone in for Dolph. Let's talk a little bit about this season. You're saying to Destin for a bottom six finish. I hope you've reconciled with that. If I gave you the option of one player from any club around the league, and you've got to consider not only on-field performance, but potential leadership, um, uh, off-field aspects, you've got to consider it all. Who are you going with? like longevity success, I reckon can't go past Matt Rowell. Matt Rowell is, I think, quickly becoming my favourite non-Saints player. I just, he's such an enigma. Like he's this 50-year-old man in a 20-year-old's body. And, you know, he just, everything I read about him, every interview he does, like he's such a nerd. Yes. But then he plays like this absolute beast. I mean, that Willie Rioli hit, which, you know, would have killed most people. He mm. just shrugs off and, you know, finishes the game with 33 possessions. But I think he is the prototypical 
captain, you know, like he is just quietly spoken, he's an ultra professional, he's captain material, you know, he's a guy that you can build an entire club. I actually think the Suns, I'm quite bullish on the Suns this year. And I think mm. a lot of it has to do with those draft picks from about three years ago, the Rankins and um, Lacocious and Anderson, Matt yeah, Anderson. all of them. I yeah. just think that if, if if there's a if there's a guy who's just going to put you on you know put the team on his back and say follow me it's Matt Rowell and he's just got everything. He's I uh, yeah huge fan good pick. My only concern there is I don't think Matt Rowell is he's not personality plus. No, well that's more your Petrarca, but I just think I mean I'm talking personally here. Maybe okay. not you know if I was the Saints recruiting manager, but I would follow Matt Rowell. I just I just <laughs> want to follow him back to his house to see where he keeps his, keeps his 52 share. I just think Matt Rowell's upside, considering how young he is. Mm. Like you know he had a pretty bad last year. I had no idea that he had osteitis pubis. The dread OP. Well, it felt um, like that, that my, went away. I feel like we cured OP about you know. It well, felt like that. that was it that became a, the plantar fascia became the trendy injury. What's the high ankle sprain called? Syndesmosis. That was the other one. Syndesmosis, <laughs> the high ankle sprain. Yeah, the trendy injuries. Yeah, yeah you're I, right. I feel like we cured OP when when Nick Rewalt was still playing because that he he got played by a bit of OP in his day. Uh, it was more Luke Ball. That was the one. He was the one Saints player who had his career uh, uh, just completely crawled by injury. Mm. Um, but I think I don't know about the if it's they've just got better at treating it or identifying it. But Matt Rowell had such a average season. And then like Kane Corns does his Kane Corns thing where he comes out and says, Matt Rowell's overrated or whatever the article was. That first three or four games he had in 2020, I mean, he looked like the best midfielder in the game. He Was it three games? He didn't look like it. He was the best midfielder in the game. He was winning the Brown though. (laughs) That's crazy. As an 18-year-old. Yeah. So look, for me, Matt Rowell, he's the the guy that I'm going to be watching closely the next 10 years, hopefully. I, I like that. I don't think the Suns will ever do the deal, unfortunately. I think they'll be I think they're mortgaging Stuart Jew's house at the moment to make sure Matt Rao they can afford to keep him for as long as possible. If I gave you the ability to stop one other team winning the flag this year. In the eighties, Carlton were the most arrogant team and arrogant supporters going around. And you never heard the end of it. They were corrupt too. I mean, that's been proven. That's an evidence. They were a corrupt football club and a corrupt football team. And they won their flags by buying players and paying people under the table and stuff. When Carlton can't cheat, they're no good. That's why they've been terrible for the last 20 years. And I do not approve of all this goodwill and affection coming towards Carlton now, because the last thing we want is a really powerful and successful Carlton. You wait, as soon as that da 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 starts up at the ground, we made a mistake by letting Carlton get good again. I've got some mates who live in Melbourne, and they said that after the round one win over Richmond, like literally horns in the street. It was, you know, it was as though <laughs> it was a round one win and there were horns in the street. I was listening to some of the, the off-season Two Guys, One Cup that you did with uh, Scott Dooley, uh, the footy fixers. And I wanted to put a, a problem, I think, in the game of footy needs fixing, the Brownlow. I think we did a whole episode on the Brownlow. Did you? I didn't hear that <laughs> yeah, one. we did. So we came up with the idea that um, you recreate, the contenders for Mark of the Year have to recreate the Mark of the Year live on stage in their tuxes. <laughs> so uh, for the... So someone like I think we were saying Gill has to kick it to the to oh. the players, and so but the Liam Ryan one, for instance, Gill would get up and kick the ball to, him and you'd, Liam would have to jump on his back with the tucks and recreate it. And if they can, they win Mark of the Year. Okay, right. Okay. My concern with the Brownlow, I was talking to Dylan Buckley about this the other day. It, it, when you break it down, how this thing is awarded, 
the game of AFL is played at a faster speed than it's ever been played before. We mm. ask these four blokes to run around and keep pace with these elite athletes, make split-second decisions based on what they're seeing, and they're already knackered from running this fast. And then, at the end of all that, they have to go into a room and immediately write down who was the best at this game. Yeah, and that's why they call it the midfielder's medal as well, because the umpires are spending more time looking at the midfielders than any of the key position players. I mean, I think the solution to that is to somehow have the, like, you know, the Players Association Awards or the Outside Awards, when the prestige of those awards get bigger and bigger and people start paying more attention to that, Mm. just like the way the Oscars aren't, as prestigious as they used to be, people are sort of, that doesn't have the same appeal. It's sort of considered a bit like, you know, old fashioned and maybe the Brownlow will go in the same direction where it's like, yeah, sure. Like a good player won the Brownlow, but it's not the one that we all agree. Mm. You know, the Rotten Tomatoes aggregate (laughs) tells us that all the votes, you know, went to, uh, you know, the Bond or whatever to to be the MVP. Well, as a Port supporter, with all due respect to Ollie Wines, who I love, and him and his wakeboarding and all the great things that he brings to the sport. <laughs> he wasn't the best player in the comp for me last year. Marcus Bontepelli was the best player in the competition last year. It's a really hard thing to to judge. Having said that, if you, you still got if you won an Oscar, Charlie, it'd still be sitting front of house, I would think. Yeah, yeah right. Well, yeah. if we're on a Zoom call right now, you'd be seeing it. It'd be front and center <laughs> right next to me. <laughs> Instead of looking it's at like a St. Kilda flag and artworks yeah. and other podcasts. <laughs> It's depressing. <laughs> Thinking, I actually you like. Believe I was married with a kid. Would you looking at this? <laughs> I'm assuming you still live at home, and your mum is upstairs <laughs> saying, "Charlie, when are you going to finish and take the rubbish out?" <laughs> Two guys, one cup. It's officially part of the the listener suite. L I S T N R. There's no E in it. it. It's like one of those fancy, like the is that hip hop inspired? Do you think they remove the vowels from things? Don't they? No, I'll tell you what. It's killing my predictive text. You're turning up every week now. Uh, how are you dealing with the strict regimen that listeners got you? Well, I actually think prior to listener, we we with the podcast, the only way we really could make them work was to kind of uh, assign them to a strict schedule. We're being paid now, so there's a compulsion <laughs> to end up, you know, each week. The decision to move to listener, which is free, by the way, it's yeah, still free. It's like free. you can still hear the show for free, and you sign up to a free app and you hear the show for free. For free. It's still free. Yeah. But, you know, in order to kind of, you know, it's not just about us making money for Two Guys, One Cup. Like, this is so we can do all the shows we do because, you know, podcasting is not uh, this multi-million dollar industry where every podcaster is driving a brand new car. Like, you know, we have employees and we have production costs and all this kind of stuff. And so we just made this decision that, A, we think we're going to a great platform that can help promote this show, but also means that, you know, maybe we can bring some audience back to our other shows as, as well. So, you know, for us, it's kind of like it feels like a, a, a just like a, a win-win. My advice to anybody out there who loves their AFL footy, just jump in because if you if you enjoy the sport, you will enjoy this podcast. It's not – you don't have to keep track of stats and facts and figures. We call ourselves a footy-adjacent podcast. Sometimes we get around to talking to the games, yeah. but other times we are just talking in the sphere of, of games. Of football. And uh, we do have one regular segment, which has actually quickly become my favourite, which is the uh, pocket profile and I will quiz Will as to the players' answers. And it's a great insight into not only the kind of mindset of the players that we have uh, at the moment, but also Will. Because Will <laughs> fancies himself a bit of a profiler. Like he thinks that, you know, after three or four questions, he can get into the mind of the player. We did our episode, um, our, round, our round one episode of Two Guys, One Cup, and uh, the player was James Rowbottom from the Sydney Swans. 
And it was amazing seeing how confident Will went into that. I felt like somebody who watches like a quiz show and knows all the answers oh, and is right. screaming at my radio <laughs> and and hearing <laughs> hearing Will go, I've never heard of him. I was just thinking, oh. <laughs> That's most of our audience most weeks, I think. <laughs> but I didn't switch off. I kept listening because I wanted to see how, but I found myself going, you know, when you asked, I think it was, does James Rowbottom go to the footy if he's not playing? And then when Will works it out and goes, well, no, because he's based in Sydney and COVID, he wouldn't be able to get there. And I was just like, well, there you go. I learned something new every day. And I didn't know he was a tennis yeah, guy that was either. smart. I was, I was impressed by that as well. Yeah, yeah, the tennis thing threw me. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that threw me. I think the most legendary pocket profile we've ever done was Jack Lukosius, who, you know, Adelaide boy himself, he was so bland that it was impossible to guess any of the answers correctly. I was thinking about this the other day when you went through that stretch where Shawshank Redemption was every AFL footballer's favourite movie in their pocket profile. I feel like Wolf of Wall Street had its little time in the sun as everybody's favourite oh, yeah. movie, kind of probably, you know, early yeah. or mid-2010s. I'm curious to know what it'll be next. Yeah. And it's also, it's got to be, the answer's got to be a little bit niche. Like, I know Shawshank was a kind of Hollywood movie and stuff, but, it, you know, it was, it, it was a little niche. It was kind of like, it was a safe art house film for a footy bloke to mention. Yeah, I cried at that, you know, got a bit, <laughs> brought a bit of a tear to the eye. You know, not afraid to admit they cried during Shawshank. I think these days it's probably less likely to be a movie and more likely to be a streaming series, series like yeah. Tiger King. I mean, I think uh, Robot and Euphoria. Um, Euphoria. Yeah. I think that makes sense. He's a young bloke. You know, it's about young teens. You know, have, have you watched get, Euphoria, get, Charlie? No. Yeah. No. I watched an episode and I've got a young daughter who's five and she's a well, she's a decade off being the age of the kids on the show and I don't want her to grow up and become a teenager now. Terrified me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I, I, my daughter's only two and a half and I have the same fears. <laughs> Charlie Clawson from uh, Two Guys, One Cup. It's available on the list. A pleasure to have you on, mate. And if you ever decide oh, thanks, to... Anytime. If you ever decide to cross the Tweed and come and see a game in person up here, let me know. Uh, and oh, I, definitely. I can show you around the commentary box. You, we'll get you in oh, on specials. That, now, this is, the, that, this is the red carpet treatment I've been longing for. All those bloody TV shows, McLeods and Blue Heelers, never got me to this level of access. Thank you, God. I finally got the listener out and I get inside a coach's box. We'll get you, I, a, take up on that we'll get you a photo next to Simon Black and Richard Champion. Charlie, thank you so much, mate. We'll have to get you back on uh, when we get towards uh, finals. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully I won't have time to talk to you because I'll be so busy watching the Saints. No, oh, no, you'll have time. You'll have plenty of time. <laughs> Listener.